0: You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast.
1: Everybody, welcome back to the Team Stripes Podcast. This is episode 71. Joined with me, as always, is my co-host, Brandon Est, and I'm Ross Grimaldi Brandon, what's up, dude? Uh, nothing much. We are finally,
2: I believe, a week into the offseason now for the NHL, even though uh, hockey season's starting up everywhere else. So it's a little bit weird, but... Draft starts tomorrow. We got a lot of hockey news to talk about. Everything's going
1: good. Ross, how are you? Dude, still riding the high from last Monday. I got my Eastern Conference Champion shirt on. I need to get some Stanley Cup merch, but, you know, I just haven't uh, really had the time to go buy any of that. We had uh, a, a boat parade and the guys going out being ridiculous, having a good time. Uh, this morning I listened to Chicklets and heard uh, Alex Kalorn and uh, Pat Maroon talking about their experience and some really funny stories there. So we're just we're kind of riding the high here in Tampa as far as the lightning went on the cup and then uh, business as usual on the ice. We had uh, see what I do. I had some U18s this weekend and then uh, some U14s as well. So a little bit of youth hockey this weekend. So that was kind of fun.
2: Yeah, so obviously speaking of the uh, Bolts winning the cup, they won it last Monday night in game six. In just
1: like I foretold.
2: I was gonna say, just like you thought, I think it was an easy fashion. I mean Bolts Bolts were the better team. They Well
1: it wasn't they weren't the better team. You know, of the twenty four teams that showed up into the bubble. Well, the two respective, and then the one at the end, like the Lightning, were by far the best team.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. And it's clearly evident they won the Stanley Cup. Um, yep. As for, I mean, as for our hockey, like you said, like we're we're in full swing. I, I know Dallas had a, a tournament here for it was a Guns and Hoses tournament this weekend for Adult League, so they supported the Guns and Hoses charity which is a great charity. Uh, I got to skate a bunch of those games, which they're actually really fun because, I mean, all the players hang out. We get the police in there. We get uh, military, firefighters. It, it's a fun tournament.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, we do one here in Orlando, and I've always heard it's a good time. I've never had the, the pleasure of getting to skate it, but I've always heard the guns and hoses stuff is always uh, always fun. gets a little yeah. heated, too.
2: Yeah, every, every year there's always, there's always one game for me that for no reason just turns into another shit show. Uh, yeah. I had mine – I guess it would have been on Saturday. So, we in Dallas have a league rule of 10 penalties in a game total. It goes to run time for adult league, which is the best rule ever. And so, at the end of the first period, the scorekeeper, who's a really, really well-respected scorekeeper in Dallas – he looks at me and he's like, we only have four penalties. And I was like, I know we have four too many right now. And he's like, yeah, but you probably could have called like 10. And I was like, Oh, probably. But you know, like it's charity. Like we're trying to let him play. Mm -hmm. So by midway through the second period, we had hit 10 penalties. Unfortunately. I mean, not unfortunately for me, nothing changes for me. It's just another hockey game. And, uh, it was, it was funny. All, all the players at the end of the game, they, they came up to me and they're like, that was a really good job. But like, how do we get to 10 penalties so quickly? And I was like, well, it takes about three guys to be stupid. And next thing you know, we're at 10 penalties pretty quick. But the, for the most part, those games are actually really, really fun. I mean, I had, uh, one of my games, I had the Fort Worth police department and the Dallas police department. And I mean, it was I that was probably the most fun game I've skated in a hot minute. So awesome. But it's it, it is weird though to have youth hockey and, and you know in full swing and then junior hockey's about to start here down here for us, but yet the NHL's not on. Like we're talking NHL off season. The draft is I guess today, which is weird. Um, but awesome at the same time.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's it's obviously just kind of a weird thing. And you know, we got the Rangers picking first overall, and there's no way they're not picking uh Lefreniere. Um and then Iserman's probably gonna make some moves. It's definitely gonna be an interesting couple of days as far as the NHL offseason goes. And yeah, it's just it's odd that hold on you're good shadow can you thank you it's that you know we're we're getting into the full swing of things and pro hockey's like oh yeah well we just finished so we'll see where we'll see where things take us because we don't even have a real start date yet for anything
2: yeah but speaking of the draft, that is, I guess it's, it's tonight. Uh, we're recording on Monday, so it's tomorrow for us. But round one's Tuesday night. Um, the Rangers are obviously going to pick Alex Lafreniere. He's going to be sick there with uh, Panarin and, and that rest of that crew. LA is picking second, Ottawa third, Detroit fourth. And then to round out the top five, Ottawa again. I think Ottawa has a great chance to really, really help their team out. Um, I always like the draft; it's it's fun. It's uh, I got to go to it was in Dallas. I I guess it was two years ago, maybe. And so I got to go to it in Dallas, and it was, it was awesome. Um, definitely a cool experience. I would recommend anybody going. Personally, I don't know a whole lot about the. Uh, prospects getting picked. So oh, I got I, I got nothing there. Man. I was going to say, I, I can't say who's going where or what. Um, A few things that stood out to me, though, from round one is I believe Ottawa and New Jersey both have three picks in the first round. And I believe, yeah, it's Ottawa and, and New Jersey both have three picks in the first round, which to me is insane.
1: Mm-hmm well the lightning don't have any picks so
2: correct so yeah, the Lightning
1: we, we traded a couple of picks for different things and nothing in the first round for us
2: yeah uh the flames thankfully have one which is my team and i think they're 19th overall yeah 19th overall for the draft so i mean it'll be fun it's it's on tv i always like to watch it um it, it's the future of the nhl and with a lot of these first rounders they could be in the league next year or they could be in the league in two or three years
1: yep for sure and or you know a team will end up drafting a guy in the third fourth or fifth round that turns into a guy like Braden point mm-hmm.
2: yeah there's so. i mean the the flames have a lot of those too, in in johnny goudreau and and guys like that
1: yep Well, speaking of speaking of the flames, we'll kind of shift gears a little bit away from the draft. How about them new unis going back old school?
2: Yeah, back to the uh, retros. Those came out back in the '80s and '90s when they first moved to Calgary. And to me, I love them. They the red ones were our third jerseys, probably for I think three or four years now. I have a Kachuk one that's like the the red retro, and they are they are sick. And then last year with the Heritage Classic we grabbed those jerseys and made those our road ones. And I think those are probably some of the best looking road jerseys in the NHL. I mean, they're, they're just clean, classic and easy and I love it. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, for sure. They're going to look good, you know, going into those full time. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we had the Vegas golden Knights unveil a Jersey that is freaking sweet looking but like you said in our our little chat prior to recording was they might not necessarily look that good on TV. I was going to say they look good in
2: pictures and I I guarantee you at the game they'll look sick, but on TV, I'm scared that it's going to be Nashville's mustard yellow round two.
1: Yeah. Very very true. I I guess we'll see. You would think that they might, they would have tested those on the ice with a camera just to see what it's going to look like, but Maybe they, uh, the department at, uh, at Adidas overlooked that. So I, I they're think definitely they're nice looking.
2: Risky. They uh,
1: they remind me of the Michigan gold dazzle jersey, if you remember those. Um, so, yeah, it's it'll be fun to see those on the ice, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd really like to see the league go to doing um, color versus color games. So – Last season, I went to a Lightning and Carolina Hurricanes preseason game. The Lightning had on their blue jerseys for being the home team. And Carolina actually had their red jerseys on instead of the road whites. And I thought it was pretty cool doing colors and colors. So, like, if teams are, um, you know, don't have, like, a similar color. So, like, what, you know, like, the Lightning and, and the Red Wings or the Hurricanes or, You know, just those are just two examples I can think think of off the top of my head. I think it'd be cool to see color versus color instead of, you know, dark and white.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree, but obviously you run into the issue of you get like a Calgary versus the Devils where –
1: well, sure, you wouldn't sure. do
2: color versus You wouldn't do that there. Oh, so you would do it for like a like well, not only a few teams select with, games.
1: Yeah, only teams with contrasting colors. So it would have to be like blue versus red. I mean, it would be yeah, pretty or cool. like like the Avalanche and uh, like the Stars because they were green. The Abs are purple. Yeah, like you know that kind of like those heavily contrasting colors. I don't know. I it'd just be fun to see. I think it would be pretty cool. I know. Because that would also give the opportunity to get those third jerseys on the ice a little – even more than just, you know, the Saturday games that they're already – they're only allowed to be played with.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I think it would be cool. I know um, most teams will wear their road whites, like, at least once at home. Yeah. And then – it was, it was funny. I remember I went to a Calgary game in Vegas a few years ago, and Calgary was wearing their home red on the road. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this just looks wrong.
1: Well, I remember years ago, the Canadians used to wear white at home the first half of the season. And then after I think January 1st, they would wear red at home the rest of the season. So they would flip. Yeah. I mean, I, God, I want to say that was maybe the late nineties. I could be wrong, but I, I just remember, I remember that being a thing for them.
2: Well, because I mean, at at one point the NHL was white at home, red on the road, yes. or dark on yeah. the road. But then I don't, I, I don't really know why they switched it. I don't either. I, think, I don't I mean, either. I, I don't I think mind. It was just the way to, way to home.
1: when they did. I think when they originally switched it, they were just thinking that you know to get people to buy more jerseys, probably. And then it's just never switched back. So,
2: yeah. Speaking of jerseys, though, the one jersey that I wish the Flames did bring back was uh, their horse jersey. Oh, the Flaming Horse? Yeah, called Blasty. A lot of people just know it as the Flaming Horse. To this day, that is my absolute favorite jersey of all time, and they need to bring it back. I think well, they, 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 it should come back as their third jersey, we will wear it five times a year, and it will look sick.
1: Well... If you want to get into old school third jerseys, we'll we'll bring up the Tampa Bay Lightning's original third jersey. That thing was atrocious looking, but man, was it sweet! I was gonna say, speaking and speaking of speaking speaking of sweaters, we have our team stripes referee sweaters that I wore last week on the podcast. They're all sublimated. It's a pretty sweet look. We're uh, we're working on you know doing another round of orders. If uh, you might skate a league that you think might be interested in uh, in switching it up, adding some style to the game, definitely reach out and contact us, and we'll see if we can work some kind of deal. We'd, we'd definitely like to uh, get our jerseys out there on the ice, and
2: and they look awesome. Yes, they do. Like they just, you look so much better in the. I wide may of or may not
1: have worn the referee one in a U eighteen this eighteen game this past weekend. Sorry, is, is that, that
2: where that picture was from?
1: Yeah, I yeah.
2: Yeah, it yep. was funny. I, I saw that and I was like, You definitely wore that during a game. Oh, hundred
1: percent I, I wore it. I, I would have too though. I mean they're I, they're clean. I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, people. Don't just <laughs> It's Florida,
2: you can get away with it down there.
1: Yeah. Well the coaches loved it. They thought it was cool. They're like, Oh man, look at you looking sharp. I was gonna say you probably looked a lot better. Yep, for sure. Well, speaking of uh refereeing and all that other good stuff i I think we should probably uh transition into our interview let's do it so uh this week's interview is a gentleman that i had the pleasure of officiating while he was playing in the southern professional hockey league and then when uh i was actually at the game where he retired so they had a little retirement ceremony for him in pensacola and then uh he really didn't know what he was going to do with himself when he got done playing and he decided to put the stripes on. He got to go to the Combine. He uh, lined and refereed in the Southern Professional Hockey League. He's living in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, and now he's a a linesman in the ECHL. Gotten to work a couple of games with him, you know, wearing the stripes. And uh, all-around good dude, uh, Coleroo. So we'll uh, throw that over to the interview. And then also on the interview, uh, Mr. Brandon Bourgeois, the uh, creator of Team Stripes actually jumped on because uh, Brendan was uh, on the ice working. So uh, it was nice to have Brendan uh, on the uh, on the podcast. So hope you guys enjoy that. So our guest today is a guy that I actually refed while he was playing in the Southern Professional Hockey League. And then when his uh, hockey and I actually also was on the ice for the game that... Uh, he retired, so they brought him out, and uh, the Pensacola Ice Flyers honored him and for uh, for his career. And then uh, he decided to join the dark side and, uh, and put the stripes on. And I know um, he went to the Combine, uh, worked the SP, worked the co- is working the Coast now. Uh, so without further ado, Cole Rue is our guest today. Cole, how you doing, bud?
0: Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Yep. Yeah, well, we're good here, so uh, I guess we'll start. So, Cole, uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, like, uh, you know, growing up playing, where you're from, what, you know, all that, the playing side.
0: All right, yeah, um, I grew up in Illinois, uh, just played minor just minor hockey around, uh, it's called Pekin, Illinois, small town outside of Peoria. I uh, went to high school, decided to try out for the Peoria Mustangs. Thought it was cool, didn't know anything about junior hockey uh played there for three years went to uh nichols college for four small d3 school again just kind of enjoying the lifestyle being able to say i played college hockey got a call uh my senior year uh from wichita which was in the central hockey league at the time uh now is basically echl Mm
2: -hmm.
0: called me up for eight games and uh from there just went on for eight more years and then uh had the retirement thing in Pensacola, like you said. Played for a long time. Never had any winnings. Uh, obviously had good seasons. Never any championships or anything like that. Um, once I retired, I didn't, have, didn't know how a clue what I was going to do. Made some calls to um, Jim Combs, who used to be the commissioner of the SBHL. He introduced me to the refing side. And like you said, did the combine. And uh, from there, tried the little lifestyle of traveling around all the time in the SP. I was a linesman for a year. Uh, wore the armbands my second year was all over the place. wasn't very good at that by all means, but also didn't really like the stress. Yep. Uh, so the uh, next year, I just made the call to the coast and uh, decided just write like to be linesman. And here I am now working games with you, doing the summer stuff in uh, Florida, minor hockey, and it's been a lot of fun. Actually, it was good. It's been a fun transition.
1: Yeah, for you know for sure, and it was. I definitely enjoyed being on the ice with you when you were a player. Um, <laughs> It was, uh, you know, like, if you were on the ice, like, you were you're pretty good about, you know, staying level head and, and kind of keeping things uh, in check. I know, you know, with when you were playing for the Rivermen, um, I, I had a few games where uh, shit kind of went downhill, and then I know you were out there, and it, because you were, you know, the leader of the team and all that with, with the Rivermen, so, like, it was always nice knowing that, you know, a guy like you is out there kind of. Keeping everybody in line a little bit, and you—you, uh, you, uh, if I remember, right, you had a couple of decent tilts while I was out there roughing too, right? Like you—you you used to fight a little bit.
0: I did. Uh, I did fight. Um, I wasn't very good at it, but I swung pretty hard and hoped to dodge the, the other ones coming at me. But uh, I was now by no means a a solid uh, flashy hockey player. I was a kind of a grinder type, uh, fifth, sixth defenseman most of my life, uh, and basically. If I had to fight, it was basically just try to keep my job. Makes they would have had to do to stay out there. Made it for eight years, 300 plus games. So it was, it was a pretty good accomplishment.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good career for anybody as far as, you know, pro hockey goes because obviously not many people get to say that, you know, they played pro, you know, getting right. people to play and all that. So so um,
3: let's see. And uh, cool. I was actually going to ask, like, your career and stuff. I mean, like, I think we talk a lot about, like, guys that, play at a high level and switch to officiating and and kind of like what it looks like when you're starting out. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like for you and your teammates, when you're playing pro and kind of going through the ranks, like, you know, I, I know you got to maybe talk about like career post hockey, like did guys ever talk about like officiating as a career, like while you were playing or was that ever something like talked about or was it more, you know, guys looking at Europe or coaching or I don't know, can you bring us into that a little bit?
0: Yeah, to be honest, actually a great comment. Um, until my last year in the SPHL, like, I didn't know that uh, these guys that were in the, the roughing us were, like, anything more than just local guys. I mean, there might have been some people that paid t- deeper attention to it, but I never did, and I was a captain of a few teams. Like, I knew they were the same regular guys, but I didn't understand anything about the system, like the organization and the, what, the program, they call it. Um, so until that, that last year, it was the first time it had ever been introduced to me. So in all honesty, I don't think that anybody ever thought it was a path. Uh, most of the time, everybody was thinking coaching or Europe or just play that you were done. And for the kids that did have college degrees, thought maybe we'd go further. And then obviously there was a few that still had the opportunity to make it to the NHL. There were some of us that just knew where we were at. We peaked. Um, but, I, yeah, I never had an idea. I mean, by all means, I love playing the game. But at the same time, I knew where I was with a few injuries. And if I would have known that four years after I started that this was an option, I feel like I would have pulled out as a player a lot quicker and tried this, this path, because I don't know, once you know the game and you've been out there and you have felt the whole, that, that way of the emotions when you're out there, you definitely see the game a different way. I'm not saying you ref it differently, but I feel like you know where to position yourself and it just makes it good, but kind of successful, I guess, at that point.
3: And, like, you talked to, like, you were a captain for a few few seasons at least there. I mean, is there maybe a, a, you know, being a captain, is there, like, is there an opportunity there where you're maybe regularly conversing with officials on the ice where you start to pick up little things, like, still while you're playing or maybe get a better respect for the rules? I mean, like, as a captain, you kind of have that added responsibility where you have to have those conversations now. Like, is that something that, I don't know, kind of piqued your interest maybe a little bit?
0: I mean, (sighs) I would say that uh, Ross ran into me my last year being a captain. My first year, I was an absolute asshole. Sorry for the language, but if there's anybody that uh, – I mean, I, I worked with a few guys that refed me my first year in the SP, and uh, until they met me off the ice, they probably didn't have a very good impression of me because I was kind of hot-headed, right? Um, but to that point, uh, I do think that when you're as, – as a captain, when you want to go up and talk to the guys, they obviously know what they're talking about. And you want to make sure that you have some sort of idea that you know a little bit of the rule that you're trying to discuss with them. And I think that was part of it. So I did try to pay attention a little bit more because I knew I was going to try to have those conversations and I wanted to have the upper hand. Um, I think that is that reversed though, now that I was trying to be the asshole when I go to coaches and they're trying to talk to me, I was like, oh, I was that guy. I know exactly every line he's gonna say, I know exactly what to say to calm him down and basically just say like it's my show. You shut up and come down to my level. and We'll figure it out from here. Um, but yeah, I just, I guess it, it did make a little bit of difference just because as being a leader and wanting to know what you had to know the ins and outs before you went up and tried to tell someone what they were doing wrong. Cause you're never going to win that battle if you have no clue what you're talking about.
1: No, that definitely makes sense. So then for, I guess after retiring, like uh, how about, let's talk about that combine experience. What was that like? because I know that's something that the NHL is doing every year, trying to get these guys that, you know, kind of peak in minor pro and say, hey, you know, there's a way to stay in the game. Come join the dark side and come check out this combine. So what was that experience like?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, that goes along with kind of last comment, like not knowing a whole lot about the program, not knowing how big of a deal this really was. Um, I was a guy just out of of plan. I was like, I'm in good enough shape to show up to this and be fine. And I went there, and I didn't realize, like, how – I felt like I stepped into that as as complete – to disclo- uh, be honest, because um, I was almost given that opportunity because I played. Mm-hmm. There's people that are dying to get there, and you get there, and you realize how intense it is and how important it is. Yep. Um, you, you check in. They were d- right downtown Buffalo, connected to that rink. We walked in, and uh, they were just finishing up the actual NHL Combine. Okay. Uh, so we're standing there and like, I didn't know any referees. The only referee I knew was Wes McCauley. Cause how do you not know that guy? Right. Yep. And, uh, he's standing in the lobby as I'm walking in, I walk out I, I didn't make eye contact with him, but I obviously I locked onto him cause I was like, God, I know who that is. And it took me a while to register. And that's when I first realized how big of a deal it was. But, um, you know, we're sitting there doing the training, the off ice stuff, they do the testing, uh, had to do the bike riding. I don't remember the word, what it's called at this point in time, but, uh, the bike ride with the weight uh, they do it at the at the actual combine for the players hmm guys screaming in your ear telling you to pedal faster this and that yeah it's um, like
3: they want CO2 you two max pedal. or the co2 max or something yeah there you go yeah yeah
0: but it was fun I mean all the testing was crazy then you get on the ice uh, you did the there wasn't a ton of on ice testing but it was enjoyable and then uh, you got to play some games but uh, either played or you were off the games Um and it was fun. It was a lot. It was really cool experience. Um, obviously opened some doors for me and uh, definitely an eye opener to what the world really was in the roughing side.
1: Yeah. Obviously it's something that, you know, when you play growing up and you don't really ref or think about it, like you, a lot of people don't think about what goes into the behind the scenes stuff as far as being an official goes. So like those guys that, you know, transition over, they, they're kind of, you know, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, like, oh, wow, this, I didn't realize all this goes on, like, especially when you get into the ODP and doing all that, and then obviously you work the SP. Um, what was that like going from playing in that league to refing the league? Like, obviously there were still guys on the ice that you played against or with when you were out there.
0: Yeah, um, so the first year I got in there, they put me in as a linesman, and I went, because my last year I played was in Pensacola, mm-hmm. and so then I moved to St. Augustine, Florida, which I'm still in. I don't know if anybody – you guys know that the driving distance between St. Augustine and uh, Pensacola, but it's six hours. Yep. And uh, the scheduler – I want to say his name is Monticello. He must not know that Florida's a big state. He's <laughs> me in Pensacola every freaking weekend. Obviously, playing there the year past, yeah. I would say 65% of the team was returning guys. Yep. So, I'm out there feeling like I'm just with my buddies, like – they're playing a real game, and I'm just having fun, like still out there, hacking like I meant something, you know. So, uh, first year was fun as a liney. I uh, learned a ton. I worked at uh, this guy named by the name of Mike Hool. Yep. Uh, he was the linesman I worked with a lot. And then uh, Brugelman was out there in that league, and um, the kid from Orlando, what's his name? Really funny kid, the comedian. Oh, Walker. Walker yeah so those guys it was us those four those three and myself and we worked together all the time it was a blast those guys uh kind of just taught me what it was like to be a referee both on and off the ice like as a player you don't necessarily get to have as much fun as you might on a good you know week with as a referee I guess would be the best way to put it. I've always said the referees have the most fun. They do because you don't have to get up so early for that pregame skate and you can kind of work yourself out of things, you know? Yep.
1: And then uh, obviously in Pensacola going to Savelle quarter after the game or McGuire's.
0: Yeah, that was the spot. I still had a, uh, as depressing as it sounds, the second year I went in there, I still had my card when I played there the year before. Oh, I was like, oh, awesome. I'm still a player. And they let me in for free. And I thought it was so <laughs> <cool>. <laughs>
1: That's so great. Yeah.
0: But, uh, the lighting part was great. And then the referee part, when they put me the next year, they put me in the referee. Um, I was too closely removed to have the confidence to basically tell a guy that I fought or battled with mm-hmm. to go fuck himself that I'm right, you're fucking wrong. Like get out of my face. Yeah. And I was too closely connected to be able to say like that's not a play that I that like although that's something I would do in the defensive zone, mm-hmm. it's still a penalty. I gotta call that. And like I let the game play out the way I wanted it to play if I was a player. Yeah. You just walk that line too much where I play either call the phenomenal game or mm-hmm. I call the game that we had two back-to-back line brawls, you know, so. Gotcha. Uh, so it was
1: kind of like for you adjusting from playing, you're thinking about the game more from the perspective as a player than as an official. And like, it was just kind of that. And especially obviously knowing the guys on the ice, it's it's definitely kind of hard. So.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly it. But, I, um, like what kind
1: of advice and feedback were you getting on stuff like that, or like any anything that points, at, like any particular maybe like a situation that sticks out in your mind?
0: Uh, yeah. So uh, obviously, I was the captain in Peoria. Kind of had a weird leaving of there. Not it turned out to be blown up more in the media than it really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for what it's worth, I refed a game in Birmingham, Alabama, with Peoria Riverman Uh. And it just went to shit because I was – all these guys I played with for two years, it was a coach that I grew up watching, had a really close relationship with, mm-hmm. and I let the game go. Like I let it play out, play out, play out so it was just lost. And that's when I had a couple back-to-back line brawls. It was just a shit show from, la- from the beginning to the end. Like I wanted to get off the ice so fast. And yeah. they were still doing like the, the – before they even – players got off the ice – I left the ice because I was like, you know, this is over. This was bad. Yeah. And I had to drive from Birmingham to Macon, Georgia. So Alabama to Georgia. I don't know how far it was. A couple hours. Yeah. Uh, Stan Sturzik okay. actually called me. And he was, uh, he, was in the, in the, he was in the system as well. And he talked to me for like an hour and just said, like, this shit happens. Like, mm-hmm. you just have to be a man about it. And the next day, show up. And, you know, it's just like as a player, everybody has a bad game. Sometimes yep. you have to figure out how to manage it and show up as a man the next day and be like, yeah, I fucked up. No one got hurt. No one died. The outcome of the game wasn't really indicated by me. So I just got to show up and make, make a difference and be better the next night. Um, and lucky for me, first period was a great period. There's a couple fights, like it was squirrely. And then as they were skate walking off the ice, the tunnels for making I remember they're pretty close. Like you have to kind of cross each other a little yep. bit. And they're going out, and the two coaches start chirping at each other, and all of a sudden, they're face-to-face. So I got to kick John Gee out the next night after a period. So I didn't have to listen to Cocksucker for the rest of the night, and I was good to go. It was perfect.
1: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) One minutes. and they didn't have an assistant coach, so it was just players on the bench. And it happened to be a kid by the name of Ben Escroba, who was my D partner, and he wasn't going to say anything to me, no matter what happened, so (laughs) –
3: but I gotta ask, like you know, we, like they always talk about, like you know, former players they jump in and it's like they have the advantage because like they know the players, like they you know they have a feel for the game. But, but can that also be like a detriment sometimes, where like maybe you have a buddy from your team last year that comes up to you and goes, you know, throws in a couple curse words and say, you know, man, like what the fuck was that or what the hell was that? Like, is that maybe a bad thing too, or the guys are so comfortable with you that they're almost too comfortable, I guess?
0: I think so. I 100% think so. And I think that that's what probably got me into a little bit of trouble. And maybe it's not – it just happened to where I lived, right? So if I didn't live in Florida, maybe I, they didn't put me right in the SP to learn that way. Maybe they put me in the coast because of my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe – I don't know how it broke down for everybody else that went from playing to that. But 100% in an eight-team league, when you were in there for three years – and a captain for – I guess a captain on all three years you were there, everybody knew who you were. So they all felt comfortable coming up and talking to you, and they felt like they could say whatever, whatever they wanted to say, whether good or bad. And it definitely made a difference in my refing a bit. Like the way I grew as a referee, 100%, it made a huge difference.
1: Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense, especially when, you know, you have that those relationships there. And it just – it's one of those things, like you said, it's hard to go from, you know, skating with a guy one year, fighting him one year, to then calling a penalty on him and then telling him to go F himself. Kind yeah. of and It's like, <laughs> like, shit, like, now I'm in charge, but we're still kind of equals, but I'm in charge – like, it's it just kind of an awkward place to be in, that's for sure.
0: Right. I mean, think about from the coach's standpoint, so mm-hmm. – Rod Aldoff is my coach the year prior. Yep. Uh, Jeff Bess, I played for him as a year. He was a coach in the league. Yep. And then John Gee Trudell was a coach that I played for. So I got three coaches in the league that I played for. And I'm always for whatever it is. Like, I'm yes, sir, yes, sir, when I'm playing for him. Yeah, I'll go out, fight that guy, bleed for you, whatever. Yeah. And then I got to totally roll reverse and have them motherfucking me and me not be able to like, yes, sir, you're right, I screwed up to say yeah. – no, go fuck yourself. You're wrong. I'm, this is my game. You just sit back and listen to me kind of thing. So it was difficult for sure.
3: Yep. Yeah. Like you talked about, like, you know, you had, like, I don't know what your fighting record was back when you played, like you mentioned had you some scraps and stuff, but like, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, for you and you're fighting a player or something like that, like, or was it ever in your, the back of your mind? Okay. You know, hopefully there's a good linesman here that can protect me if I've ever gotten a bad spot. Like, did that ever cross your mind? Or was it something that was kind of an afterthought? Cause I'm kind of curious, like, for you now as a liney, where you've had that part of your game, like, as a player, is that something that the players kind of appreciate now that you can really kind of protect them, I guess, if they're in a bad spot?
0: I think uh, as I got later in my career and realized more of how it went down with fighting, I did understand that. And I definitely think that as a, as a linesman in the league, I have a better understanding of where to when to make situations where I'm going to jump in Mm -hmm. or know when a guy's in the spot and know where to grab to try to help the guy if he is in a tough spot. Um, When I was younger in fight, I had no idea what the referees were really there for because I knew as a player, for what it's worth, I had a ton of respect for the game, and I knew that when whatever happened, whenever someone hit the ground, it was over. Uh, I'd never had a really bad one my way in terms of me being on the bottom of that pile. So maybe I'm lucky there. But at the same time, I wasn't fighting heavyweights. Like, I was picking up that goal scorer that was being a dick. Like, you know, I'm going to jump him and look tough for the girls kind of thing. So (laughs)
1: There you go. Well, I mean, isn't that why we were involved in hockey anyway? The girls, right? Yeah.
3: Not the referee said. (laughs) No. (laughs)
0: No. I couldn't score goals, so I might as well try to fight. So I had something to talk about to a girl at the bar that
1: night. I mean, come on. Hey, you see this? I I got in a fight yeah. tonight. <laughs> right,
0: the reason for this black eye. <laughs>
1: so awesome. Yeah. Um. Let's see. And then obviously, like here we were doing youth and junior and and you know coast league stuff. What's it been like? You know, as far as you know, become one of the boys on the officiating side, like compared to like playing, like the camaraderie, I guess.
0: No, I get what you're saying. So, we were just in Tampa, and, like, it's a blast. Like, those guys down there in South Florida, we have so much fun together. And, like, it's just like playing days in my mind because, like, there's a couple guys that I could think of that, like, my years in Kansas City were phenomenal. I lived with a couple guys that I haven't spoke to for I don't know how many years, but if we ran into each other at a bar, planned something, Mm -hmm. we'd hit it off like nothing ever happened, like we were together yesterday, right? Yep. But we're down in Tampa two weeks ago, and obviously me and you, Ross, and, like, the rest of the guys, the South Florida guys, we show up, and it's like we haven't seen each other and really spoke other than a couple text messages or Snapchat for six, seven months. And all of a sudden you, hit, you, you show up and everybody knows everybody. You're having a great time like nothing happened. So uh, the camaraderie thing, I mean, it's crazy how similar it is. And going to the point of, like, you know, as a referee, you get to have a little bit more fun, whether it's right or wrong. You get to have more time with these people and see, you know, learn more about them. And yeah, it's always great to go down and enjoy that time. And then, you know, you kind of miss it when it's gone and then you start looking forward to the next tournament, whenever it's going to happen. So you go down and see everybody.
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's most of my best friends from hockey are all from officiating and it's just been just such a great, you know, and good time and wild ride and all that.
0: It's kind of funny last, I did, I had to do uh, my online seminar for USA hockey uh, this week or yeah, this week, Thursday, right? Yeah. And uh, OC's the instructor, Lord is the instructor, Google men. Yeah. And like, these are all guys that we goof around with, have a great time. And all of a sudden I get on this, this call that you're thinking is going to be so professional and. You gotta hide your hide your fun while you're trying to drink, have a beer through the whole thing. Yeah, these guys leading the cause. You're just I just dying laughing the whole time.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I know. Uh, I taught a seminar last weekend, and and I was um, having a few while I was
0: while I was teaching.
1: <laughs> Probably shouldn't admit that, but you know, it's three hours long. I mean, what are you supposed to do? I know. I, well, it was a level. I was doing a level one, so it was like five hours long. Oh my was- god. Yeah, me, Jess Herman, and um, Scott Winokur, we're, we're doing it, and it's just...
0: you the short stick on that one.
1: Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I, I haven't got any fun groups yet to work with the, the online stuff.
3: Yeah, so... So, Cole, like, not knowing, like, so obviously, like, when you kind of finished playing, you jumped into the officiating side, and, like, you're right away working, like, pro and stuff, so... Was it kind of weird jumping in, like, I don't know, like the levels of minor hockey you're doing and stuff now, but, like, is it kind of weird where you might be starting out doing some minor hockey with USA Hockey's level systems and being working, you know, younger kids and then also having the pro side? Like, is that kind of a weird thing to balance or? So it was
0: kind of a weird path. So I don't admit this very often, but I tried refereeing when I was, like, 11 years old. And I was a really good player, obviously, and there wasn't very many good referees. So they wanted me to do the men's league games. And I started out, like, I was level one. I was doing men's league games. And these guys were MFing me and telling me how much I sucked. And I quit. I just absolutely quit. So I made it, like, I'd say all of, like, maybe five, six games, maybe one youth hockey game in the mix, right? but mostly men's league. And I quit because I thought it sucked. I was like, screw this. Like, I don't want to be yelled at. I want to be the one yelling. Right. <laughs> um, so we, once I, I'm sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought here. What was the question again? Shit.
3: I oh, was just like, kind of like, you know, you're, you're doing like pro hockey right off the bat That's when right. you're jumping out of the official side and you got like the minor hockey stuff kind of going at the same time too, I guess.
0: Yeah. No. So to that point, yeah. My first real like game was lining the, in the SP uh, so I did all that. And then I started meeting guys to try Like, I don't even know how I met a guy by the name of laser Drago up here in Jacksonville. He got me connected with it. So yeah, it's been to start there and then kind of bounce back. The hardest part is the rule changes. Mm-hmm. So ECHL has got one rule book, right. That we have to deal with. And then uh, what is it? the college leagues down here have a different rule book. College, they run-
1: yeah. College and junior is the NCAA book.
0: Yeah, and, oh then God, you and, ref, and then you go and and then you go ref a youth hockey game, and it's like the 14-year-olds can tag up, but the 12-year-olds they can't. It's offsides automatically. But also, even down to men's league, if you shoot on net, offsides. It's all the way down. Like there's so many different rules that like you sit there in a game, and all of a sudden someone blows a whistle, and you're like, well, what is he blowing it for? You learn something. <laughs> huh? Doing yep. the crap, so.
1: Yeah, it's uh, and and then obviously it's, you know, the Bantams and below or 14s and below can't ice it when they're shorthanded, yeah. the 16s oh. and the 18s can, and just like all the little nuances of the USA Hockey youth or, you know, the USA Hockey book compared to like the ECHL and the NCAA where you got a, books where you got a little more leeway in what you can do, whereas... The youth book you know everything's a two and a ten it, or it's this or it's that like it's it's and going backwards like it like starting at pro and then going down to do youth mean that's that's probably I mean that's actually pretty tough when I when I actually think about it like yeah. having to deal with yeah
0: wow <laughs> just think about just talk like communicating right like mm-hmm. you in a normal conversation with a grown person when you're heated an argument there's a lot of words that come out that you four letter words, I guess you yep. can choose which one you want. Whatever they come out is not appropriate for an AU game. And like, <laughs> no, it's- got mommy up in the stands over top of you telling you how much you suck. And she has no idea what she's talking about. Like her kids <laughs> blue laces and tied backwards. So, uh, you don't even know what's like the, that was the hardest part for me is trying. And I'm a father is the worst part.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, to try to translate between that, I guess. But
3: <laughs> See, that's the thing. I don't know if it sounds bad, but the most frustrating thing is, yeah, when you're doing like pro games or high level stuff and, you know, people know the rules, it's a great level of hockey. Then you go and do, like you said, like an eight u game where a lot of people involved may have no clue what's going on and they just yell for no reason. And like, you're like, do I even want to fight this battle right now? Do I want to explain the rule book right now? I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean?
0: No, 100%. And, and typically those games are, what, 8.30 in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, and none of us – like, I don't want to listen to anybody, bitch, especially someone that I don't know. Yep. I got a pounding headache or I just early. Like, leave me, lay off me with this one.
1: <laughs> yep. Sounds about sounds about par for the course down here in Florida with them. <laughs> La- well, it was unreal. Last Sunday I did um, a U-16 game at, like uh, – I think the start, the puck drop was at 10.15. I rolled into the parking lot at 9.45 in the morning. The parents were in the parking lot slamming Bud Budweiser. <laughs> I texted OC right away. I was like, dude, there's parents pre-gaming. He goes,
0: no surprise. I go, it's 9.45 in the morning <laughs> on a Sunday. It's okay. It's because a Sunday makes it okay. Sunday yeah. fun, right? Yeah, Sunday, Monday, exactly. In, in dealing with... Uh...
3: Get an early start on church, I guess, huh?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. You church, right? You get some wine. so <laughs> Exactly. The same.
3: Yeah, I got to say that's a first. I mean, I mean maybe it's because we're, we're used to doing hockey in the winter here in Canada, but there ain't no beer drinking at 9.30 in the morning here very much. <laughs> that much. Mid-February there, walking through two feet of snow. Yeah, I don't think that's... Yeah, that.
1: well, mid-February here, it's like sixty degrees. So,
0: <laughs> I was going to comment on the fact that you're wearing a sweatshirt. That sucks.
3: Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's because it's a weekend too. But uh, yeah, it's 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 fall here now. It's it's I don't know what your Fahrenheit Celsius conversion is. Uh, when you say sixty, I have no idea what that means. Truth be told. But uh, yeah, it's getting it's getting there now. It's getting we're, we're out of summer for sure. The leaves are falling.
1: Okay. You guys are gonna have snow on the ground here soon.
3: Oh yeah. Don't even say it. No, it's it's going to come. It's going to come. Hey, we got,
1: we got plenty of room down here in Florida for you, bud.
3: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. I think we're pretty lucky to be where we are. So maybe I don't know. It may be someday there, uh, Ross. Who knows?
1: Uh, just giving you a hard time. Well, uh, Cole, This has been an awesome conversation. And uh, do you have any, uh, advice for maybe some guys that are still playing as far as like maybe thinking about making the transition or just just in general to any referees out there that might be listening?
0: I mean, to players, like you never want to say that it's over, right? But at the end of the line, sometimes when you're playing, you kind of know that this is your peak. Like enjoy that peak and then maybe consider options once you're out of the game, unless you have like a real background, like career path. It's kind of a guessing game. If you want to try to prolong that life a little bit longer, maybe consider this and see the coming of the – I don't want to say is it the coming of the end, see it earlier, but Mm -hmm. pay attention to that stuff because it's a fun option and you learn a lot and uh, you're still in the game. And I tell you right now, I get to do a lot in Jackson, though, And, you know, they get a lot of people there. And you skate out, whether or not they're booing at me or they're saying, you know, whatever, cheering for me, it's still cool to hear that amount of people come out, and the lights are off, the intro video, like you still feel like you're part of the game. Like yeah. I still, that's the reason I do this shit is because I still feel that I'm 35 years old now and I'm six years removed, I guess,
1: mm-hmm.
0: four years removed, five years, whatever it is. And those games, it's, that's my high. Um, it's awesome. And then to the younger guys just getting into this, it's a lot of fun and you make a ton of friends. And uh, most of the friends that I have currently are the guys that I've met through reffing. I hang out with through reffing and you know, if I didn't have those guys, people to talk to, guys like Ross, they want to bring me on a podcast. And I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing on, really. And uh, it's fun. You know, you make a lot of friends through it. You learn a lot. And, uh, you know, it's good fitness. It's fun. And you're in, involved in a game. So yep. give it a shot. If you've never tried it, give it a shot. And don't let some prick of a coach and you in the stands telling you, you suck, break you down, because you're going to hear that your whole life. Just get over it.
3: Yeah. Well said. Well said, Cole. That's awesome.
0: I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure.
2: That interview was brought to you by Acme Whistles, helping you make the big calls since 1870. The legendary Acme Thunder is now available in matte black. Acme Whistles, proudly associated with the NHL since 1917. Ross, that interview was awesome. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there to join. But overall, I, I think it went really
1: well. Yeah, Cole, uh, Cole's good people, man. Uh, I, I really enjoy getting to work with him. Um, it was cool getting, uh, to have a guy go from, uh, playing like, and knowing him as a player and then getting to, you know, put the sweat, the referee stripes on with him, and work together with him as uh, as an official. So good insight from him about that transition. Uh, the guys that might be listening that, you know, if you're still playing the game and maybe getting towards the end of your career and might not necessarily know where you're going with it, definitely uh, take a shot at, you know, putting the stripes on and it, uh, it'll open some new doors for you. That's for sure.
2: And speaking of retirements, we had one announced today in the NHL uh, out of Philly, Matt Niskanen, the defenseman retires after 13 NHL seasons.
1: Good for him, man. Good. That's a good career, 13 seasons. I'm sure he made a couple of bucks. Go enjoy life now, dude.
2: All, all I can think of is he was 33 years – or he is 33 years old, and obviously he just retired. To me, like, it's crazy to think about a guy at 33 retiring
1: just due to the fact that, like – Right. And he played 13 seasons. Yeah, so like, but, like – He started still- when he was 20. He's still like he's a so young. young guy. Like, he's younger than me.
2: Why is he retiring? Right? <laughs> but congrats to a great career on him. He was, he was always fun to watch. He was a staple in Philly. Uh, all the best to him. And then uh, at this time of the offseason, we always get the unfortunate buyout window. Um, yep. And thankfully this season we've only seen four. Two of them, really big names. Uh, one of those is Bobby Ryan out of Ottawa. They bought him out for, I believe, it was the last two years remaining on his contract. Um, we
1: got some breaking news. Oh, Sorry to jump in. No, let's Stan, hit it. The San Jose Sharks just acquired Devin Dubnik. Yes, they from did from the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. I just so, saw that goal uh, goalie trade. There's gonna be there's gonna be some goalies moving around this off season, you got Lundquist, uh, probably flurry, possibly Matt Murray. Um, obviously we just had do So it's going to be an interesting off season as teams retool and get ready for whatever comes their way. Sorry yeah. to jump in. I know you're fine. I literally just got the buzz on my phone. I figured that's, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big trade. Cause you know, the sharks needed to get a little better in goal because Martin Jones, I don't think was, you know, necessarily the, uh,
2: He's been less than right. Stellar. Yeah. Unfortunately. He's had a few good years, but less than Stellar in the past. Yeah. But on the on the trade talk, it was Devin Dubnik and a 2022nd seventh round pick, and the Wild acquired a 2022 fifth round pick.
1: Oh wow. Okay.
2: So I believe Dubnik was at the end of his contract. So oh I think so they maybe it's just right to talk to him. I believe so. Gotcha. That makes um, sense. Yeah, I was like,
1: man, that's that's not much going either way. No. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. And they traded their rights to be able to talk before the free agency period, which opens on Friday. I believe so, yes. Where do you think Lundquist is going to he- end up? It's whole- so funny because all the memes that I saw were like, he's going to Tampa to hang out with McDonough Girardi. And and uh, and the rest of the uh, Rangers that have all come here.
2: I was just saying, like, I mean. But we, we don't
1: need another goaltender. We're good.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's a weird spot because a, a team that needs a goaltender is probably not a cup contender. And at this point in his career, he wants to go to a cup contender. So, yep. thankfully, if you're looking at it on the bright side as a team that has to or wants to sign him, you can get him for dirt, dirt cheap, because he's still getting paid by the Rangers. He's still going to get paid by the Rangers for the next two years, so you can sign Mm -hmm. him at league minimum even if you wanted to. have play. if he'll take it. If he'll take it. But, I mean, if you're Hendrick Lundqvist and you get told, hey, you're going to be a backup goaltender, play 30 games a year, but you have a really, really good shot at winning the Stanley Cup, I would take league minimum personally. I think at this Mm -hmm. point for Lundqvist it's more – let's win a Stanley cup, then let's make money. Yeah. Which, is- yeah,
1: no, he's, he's not in the, I want to make a boatload of money phase mm-hmm. of his career. He's in the phase where it's, I really want my name on the Stanley cup and a guy like Hank, like he deserves it. He's, you know, he's 400 plus wins. I believe in the national hockey league as a goaltender. The guy's a hall of famer, no doubt. Um, so getting his name on the cup, I think, is priority number one because he's done everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that Olympic gold medal. Again, he's won the 400-plus games. He was, You know, he's Mr. GQ off the ice as far as, you know, always rocking some super awesome-looking suits. So I, I think uh, – I, I hope he ends up somewhere that uh, will, you know, gives him the, the chance to win a cup.
2: I, I, the The more I think about it, the more Colorado seems like a a somewhat decent fit for him just because I believe they have a good chance of winning the cup in the next few years. Their goaltending as strong as it is, is quite young and you bring in Lundquist to mentor the younger guys. I mean, that's huge for Mm -hmm. any goalie.
1: Yeah. And then uh, I think uh, Dallas is re-signing Kudobin, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. They got uh, Bishop locked up for a few more years at like a $4.5 million cap hit or something like that. Yeah. Something close to that. I know it's under five. So uh, so Dallas will be set there. Kodobin's going to get a nice little paycheck. Uh, let's see. I, I know the Lightning got a few RFAs, but they got to get $10 million under the cap, or they got to lose $10 million bucks because of the dang flat cap. I just saw today that they might be – shopping around Tyler Johnson which would get 5 million dollars off of our payroll. Um I love Tyler Johnson. I would hate for him to not be a bolt, but I'm just happy that you know if he does get moved, excuse me, um that he was able to win the cup with this team cuz he's been such a a vital part of the Lightning uh the last few years and honestly, I've kind of been prepared for him to go away anyway cuz with Seattle coming about next year and he's from Seattle always from like the Spokane area. I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, when, when, uh, their number comes up to pick the expansion draft, he was going to go there anyway. So in my head, I only had one more year of him being on this team anyway. Um, but we'll see what the lightning do free agency is going to be nuts. Um, and then who knows if, are we going to play 70 games? Are they going to play 82? Who, who knows?
2: Yeah, this this next few years, especially with the flat cap, is going to be something that I think a lot of people well, don't really
1: know what to do because teams teams plan well, for teams the are planning. You know, yeah, for, for the cap to rise. Because so, had the cap gone up, the lightning aren't in this position. Correct. You know, so it's just one of those things, like. you we're kind of stuck. And then with fans, if fans aren't allowed in the building and revenues down next year, the cap might not go up that much. And then teams are going to be again in that situation where we have these backloaded contracts anticipating the cap going up. But then if we get to full arenas again, this season, let's say, and then everything's business is normal. You might see a huge cap jump. So You know, who knows in this day and age with the way the world is. Yeah. Speaking
2: of the cap and having to pertain to buyouts, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins bought out the remaining five years on Jack Johnson's contract. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that that happened today, and I believe, if I'm correct, Penguins are always up kind of close to the cap so that's obviously i think a big reason of why they he he might be one of those guys that they um they they buy out and then they bring him back for let's say a million dollars just so the cap hits less than yeah. what it is yeah maybe who knows but the 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 with the cap i mean the the free agency this year is just going to be absolutely insane because guys are now going to want longer term for less money rather than yep. more money, less term.
1: Speaking yeah. It, of- it, it's definitely going to change everything. So we'll see. And it was funny last night I was talking to uh, my roommate and a uh, coho was over and I was like, so what's the penalty if a team just says, fuck it and spends over the cap. And then we looked it up and we we're like, yep, that's why teams don't do it. Cause it could lead to forfeiture of games, loss of points, a $5 million fine. Like, if it was just a fine, it'd be like, here's your check. Yeah, exactly. You know, some of the team, like a team like the Lightning or some of the teams in the big markets would just write the check to the league, be like, here you go, we're going to spend as much money as we want. But they're like, nope, you know, they added in a bunch of safeguards. So, can't spend more than the cap.
2: Yeah, and but- with, with spending of money, there's been a few, I guess, signings since our last podcast. We've had three goalies sign on uh, October 3rd. It was Brian Elliott signed a one-year deal at 1.5 mil. He's going to go back up Carter Hart in Philly. He's going to help. Yeah, he's going to help Carter. And, I mean, Brian Elliott's still a solid goaltender, solid backup goaltender, but it's just something to shore up their goaltending. The Vegas Golden Knights, I think, surprised – Few people, but at the same time, many people. Oh, well, yeah, giving
1: Leonard that contract.
2: Yep, yeah, Robin Leonard, a five-year, twenty-five million-dollar contract. Hats I off to they Robin Leonard. Him.
1: I, 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 only time will tell. I think they overpaid him. Yeah, I mean, comparing I think him this to is a situation Flurry's where tough. you have you have Flurry, and then you got a new GM come in and. It's just one of those things, Flurry wasn't his guy, so then he got Leonard, and then it's just like, it's almost like a puppy love kind of thing with Leonard. So, we'll, we'll see what actually happens. I might end up eating those words, but I think they overpaid him.
2: I really like Robin, Robin Leonard, um, but, I mean, it's a big risk. I feel like it was well at five years at 25 mil uh just due to the fact that he hasn't really shown that he's a starting goaltender anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's only played, you know, half the half the games every every year. And obviously he took Vegas, played for them in all the way what to the Western Conference finals this year in, in their little NHL bubble tournament. And yeah. he looked good in games, but at the same time he looked really bad in other games. Mm-hmm. To add to the goalie controversy though out in pittsburgh tristan jari re-signed a three-year contract at 10.5 million which yep. and then murray's
1: him. an rfa
2: i believe murray's a ufa this year unrestricted
1: oh is the ufa okay i wasn't sure um,
2: andre secra of dallas signed a two-year three million deal nothing major there good d-man solid stay-at-home d-man a surprising one for me was Toronto signed Jason Spezza to a one-year contract at league minimum of a hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand.
1: Eh, why not? Yeah, veteran I, guy, bring him in, see what happens. Whatever. Yeah.
2: And then one last one that it was a two-year length contract. I don't know the the values or anything, but Sebastian Aho of the Islanders.
1: Okay. As, as yeah, fan. I mean, he's been good there. Okay. So yeah, makes those sense. That's those are saying. all
2: the track or the the free agents and and uh, restricted free agent signings up to this point of note, I should say. But
1: yeah, and I'm sure. Obviously, next week we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yep. As with far as with Friday, goes.
2: I think it's we Friday. got the
1: draft free. Yeah, draft free agency, all that stuff. So we'll see what happens this week. Um, I think we're good on uh on that topic because again this week's going to be nuts looking forward to seeing who adds who what happens uh we're going to try to get another good guest lined up for everybody gonna go ahead and plug our team stripes academy any of you guys looking to improve your game want to you know if you're curious or just want to uh you know, get some really good uh, material and lessons from one of the best to ever do it, Don Koharski, check out the Team Stripes Academy.
2: Yeah. One last thing I wanted to say before we finished up here was we all know the Sharks traded Devin Dubnik, but as well as today, they traded Ryan DeNano, Uh the wild traded Donano to the Sharks as well for a oh, 2021 so two trade between
1: those teams
2: to trade one day. Two separate transactions. I don't know. Huh. I don't know why they just didn't do it all at once. Um, and then also another one that stuck out to me is Olimata went to the Kings from Chicago. Which okay, Olimata is a younger defenseman, really solid. He's going to help the Kings for a while. I guess the Kings are in the middle of a rebuild, so it does make sense. Mm-hmm. But that's all I have as for trades. One last thing that we need to bring up, which. I think is really interesting. The QMJHL, the quote, oh yeah, Major completely Junior forgot League,
1: about that.
2: They adopted a new fighting rule. Um, so, I guess last year and and all the years prior, their fighting rule was like the NHL: you fight, you get five minutes, you come back into the game. They now changed it to a fifteen-minute penalty. So you get a five-minute fighting plus a 10-minute misconduct. So your fight now carries 15 minutes in the box rather than five. They, they don't really have that big of an issue with it, I don't think, in the Q. Well,
1: I don't think there is much. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think there's much fighting in Junior anymore anyway.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, especially in the Q, queue, the Q is a lot more skilled league than anything. It's – I mean – in in I, honestly in let,
1: let's let's just call a spade a spade here they needed some money they yep. asked the government for money the government said well we don't like that you still have fighting so if you increase your fighting penalty we'll give you 20 million dollars which is exactly said, what happened okay well we'll take your 20 million dollars we'll increase the fighting penalty so now 15 minutes for fighting and we got 20 million dollars to help us get through this season so You know, sometimes it it, it was a political move. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, fighting is becoming less and less part of the game. So whatever. And it's safer for the kids. Yeah, I have have
2: no issue with it. Um, As long or... I mean, I just, I don't
1: like that it was done because of politics instead of like done by, you know, hey, you know, we should do this because safety, not because we'll get money.
2: That's
1: the issue I really have with it.
2: Yeah, I I don't disagree. As well as the 15-minute penalty, there is, after five fighting majors, so after your fifth fighting major, it's a one-game suspension. Okay. Which, the amount of guys fighting. That's a lot of leeway,
1: though. Five fights before you get suspended, I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, if if you have five fights in a year, like, that's kind of surprising, in my opinion. Um. I mean, I, I'm A-OK with the rule. That's how it is in the North American Hockey League. It's 15-minute penalty for fighting. So, like, mm-hmm. I have no issue with it. If a guy wants to fight, they have the option, but you have to understand, hey, it's going to carry 15 more, you know, 10 more minutes yeah. than what we are
1: expected. It does fighting would be suck. way down in the queue this year if it wasn't already.
2: I was going to say, like, it, it's always been down just because the queue's more of a, a skilled league anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this was the, you know, the WHL up in Canada, then we're talking a different story because there's more fighting, but even now that's, there's less fighting in every league period. Yep. I I just thought it was an interesting tidbit, Um, a weird rule change. Not often do you see a, like a government get involved in the rules of hockey. But
1: again, it was, you know, they needed the relief. Yes, sir.
2: So I think with that, though, that wraps up episode 71 of the Team Stripes podcast. Please, please, please check us out on all of our social medias at Go Team Stripes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. Subscribe to us, our YouTube. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week.
1: Sounds good uh yeah guys it's a pleasure as always and uh we'll catch you next week on the podcast thanks for listening to team stripes